Join ResU in thoughtful conversations that will pique your curiosity and expand your mind. ResU's thought leadership and partners will introduce unique ideas and ways that help listeners make choices that are influential, mindful, and impactful. podcast. I'm Dr. Tree Scanlon, President of Resurrection University. This edition of Thinking Out Loud is dedicated to changing your brain. Meditation can be your medication. As always, we'd like to engage with experts in conversations on interesting topics. We're talking with Dr. Christine Totes, Doctor of Chiropractic Medicine and Assistant Professor at Resurrection University. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for having me, Therese. Meditation can be your medication. That sounds like an intriguing concept because I think everybody thinks of medication as something you pop in your mouth as a pill or a liquid. So that's not necessarily true. No. Okay. Not at all. So we're hearing that meditation can help you decompress, relieve stress, keep you grounded, can help center you, focus, and potentially raise your serotonin levels. Mm Mm-hmm. But before we dive into meditation, can we talk about mindfulness versus meditation? Are they really the same thing? It seems that they are used interchangeably at times. They are commonly used interchangeably. And mindfulness, which is just sort of a state of of being present in your awareness, in your surroundings, where you use your senses and your emotions, is part of what leads people into meditation. So being mindful is actually a path toward meditation. Oh, okay. So if we're being told to be more mindful, what does that really mean? Um, being more mindful really is is every person's basic human ability just to be present. You want to use your senses and use your emotions to be aware of what's going on within your surroundings. So let's say, for example, you're out for a walk in the park mm-hmm. and you're thinking about your grocery list and all of the things that you have to do and you're trying to watch your dog or your child. This is not necessarily being mindful. You're really distracted. You're distracted. Yeah. Exactly. You're thinking about 50 different things at one time. Whereas if you were in the park and you were with your child and you were feeling the breeze come across your face and you're noticing how the light is filtering through the trees and you're noticing the things that your child is picking up and the joy on their face, this is much different sense of being present Mm -hmm. in the moment of what's going on as compared to being pulled into 50 different directions at one time. Well, it's also about being mindful about how your body's reacting to things too, right? Correct. Very much so. Yeah. And um, a lot of people think that mindfulness doesn't necessarily have to do anything with their health or their wellness, but this has a huge component in how we utilize our brain and the energy that our brain demands that we take in during the course of the day. And if you're really distracted, your stress level could really be going up. Correct. Okay. So how does one become more mindful? And how do you know if you're doing it right? Or is there a right or wrong? (laughs) Well, so it's funny that you say that because, you know, when we were prepping for this podcast, I was like, I'm wondering if there's actually questionnaires to determine your level of mindfulness. And interestingly, there actually is. Oh, of course there is. Of course there is. There's (laughs) questionnaires for everything. But, you know, we all naturally possess the capability to be mindful, but just Just like anything else, it requires regular attention and practice. Like, for example, I just learned how to knit 
Okay, I'm a 45-year-old woman. I just learned how to knit. And my first day in class, I was having a real hard time. Now I don't necessarily have to think as much about what I'm doing because it's become more of a rote skill. So the more you practice being mindful the easier it becomes. And there's enemies to mindfulness, right? Like our devices, phones, Mm -hmm. TVs, our capability to multitask, which is the biggest joke in human society, by the way, because we serially bounce from one activity to another. We don't actually do two things at one time. Our brains aren't actually wired to do that. Yeah, I think we'd be considered a little weird if uh, we could do two things at once, really. Exactly, exactly. I mean, unless you're walking and thinking, right? Correct. Or breathing. Correct, yes, breathing. (laughs) Breathing's rather important. (laughs) So how do we know if we're doing enough of this mindfulness activities? Well, I would say that enough depends on how you're feeling emotionally, mentally, and physically from a day-to-day process. Keeping in mind that you want to at least check out a little bit during each day to sort of take note of where you are, how you're feeling, and what's going on. Because a lot of us do this at the end of the day, and then we don't understand how we're so exhausted. Well, yeah. I mean, we're we're doing way too many things, and, and then at the end, we're just crashing, right? Correct. Yeah. And, and then not getting good sleep, which we've talked about before. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about dive right into meditation. So what really is meditation? So meditation is a practice of focused mindfulness that is exploring, right? So meditation isn't a fixed destination, right? So you don't sit down and close your eyes and look to be like, oh, I want to be in this nirvanic state of complete (laughs) peace, which is, I think, what a lot of people think meditation is. But it's a venture into the inner workings of your own mind, which, you know, for a lot of us is sort of a scary place. (laughs) Right. You don't want to be in my mind. (laughs) (laughs) But I want you to know, like, people think that um, when you meditate that you're supposed to be completely free of thought, but you're never going to be devoid of thought, like, like a vacuum of thought. What will happen is, is as you continue to sit is what commonly we call it with meditation. As you continue to sit, you'll notice the thoughts will come in and the goal is to not pay a lot of attention to them. So just kind of see them come in and then just let them exit right out. Sure. And I think people overthink that a lot. Oh, big time. Uh, especially when you're first starting. Mm-hmm. that You think that you're you're supposed to clear your brain and just focus on whatever it is you're focusing on with the meditation. But that's that's a fallacy, right? It's a total fallacy. I remember the first time that um, I was really getting into meditation. So I'm a trained yoga teacher, and this is part of our our training is Mm -hmm. to meditate. And um, I remember the first time that I actually sat down and my mind got quiet for a second. I was like, that's it. And I was like, well, now it's gone. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fleeting moment, right? It's a total fleeting moment. (laughs) So Chris, can you explain to us where meditation originated? And is it really out of a religious or faith tradition? No. So the interesting thing about that is, is a lot of people that are very strong into a faith think that meditation has something potentially to do with Buddhism or the Buddhist faith. Right. Meditation did originally come out of India, so is the thought process, and it does have origins within the Buddhist faith. But the interesting thing is every faith base has some form of meditation, whether it's the Catholics um, praying the rosary sure, or um, mantra meditating in the Buddhist or in the Hindu faith, lighting candles and saying prayers in numerous religions. These are all forms of a meditation. Mm-hmm. So is it really then giving yourself the chance to pause and reflect on 
whatever it is you think is your troubles or the kinds of things you want to get in or out of your life? What do you think that should be focused on? Well, the, the I know it sounds weird, but the focus of meditation is no focus. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what ends up happening a lot of times is when we do that, it's called sense withdrawal when you meditate. Um, and so people that have a hard time meditating with the sense withdrawal, right? Because we're all busy. Mm-hmm. I've had people lock themselves in their closets. I've had ladies lock themselves in their bathroom for five minutes so that they can have a little bit of peace and quiet because it's easier to do that sense withdrawal. The other thing that I've had people do is go to sensory deprivation, Mm -hmm. which is a flotation tank where the water is the same temperature of your skin. It's Epsom salts, so you're hyper buoyant. It's dark. It's quiet. So automatically the sense withdrawal for you is done. So it's easier for you to turn around and focus on something like your breathing or a mantra or something so that you can quiet your mind. And interestingly, a lot of times the answers to the questions that you have pop into your brain when you do that sense withdrawal. Yeah, because if you let yourself calm down and Mm -hmm. take everything away, then you have the time to focus. Correct. That's exactly it. So for the novice or someone that's new to meditation, we hear things like just breathe or meditation is breath work. What does that really mean? Our own body breathes on its own. Can you give us a little um, insight here? Correct. So um, meditation, like it's necessary to breathe to live, right? right? I mean, (laughs) your body kind of does it on its own. Your body totally does it on its own. But you can change the state of your mind based off of the rhythm of your breath. Mm -hmm. So if we change our ratio of inhale to exhale, so let's say you did four seconds to inhale and eight seconds to exhale, the longer you draw out the exhalation, the more that's going to have a tendency to calm the mind down. Mm -hmm. If you draw out the inhalation and shorten the exhalation, that usually energizes you and picks you up. So you can change the ratio of how you're breathing between inhales and exhales, as well as the pauses on both sides, to change how you need to feel during the course of the day. So that sit down and take a breath, that can be the beginning of mindfulness and meditation. So so that's an easy place to start actually. Very right? lovely place to start. Yeah, and yeah. there's lots of there's lots of books and apps for breathing um, that will sort of walk you through that, mm-hmm. which is helpful for the beginner. Okay. So what are the techniques to breathing? And do we have to have our eyes closed? Do you have to have no light on? Do you light a candle? What What do you do? There's no ne- There's no uh, necessary way to potentially do this. You don't necessarily have to light a candle. You can have your eyes open or closed. It depends. Like, have you ever been focusing on something and you get the far off stare where you're not actually really looking at anything, but your mind, your eyes are still open? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So that's a possibility. So for people that have the capability to do that, you can. Otherwise, you are welcome to close your eyes. The big deal is is that you want to be in a comfortable position. You want to be somewhere where you feel safe and secure. So my people that have a tendency to do meditation or mindfulness on public transit, closing your eyes is probably not their best option. (laughs) No, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) So talk more about a physical, like an ideal physical environment to start this. You know, uh, you talked a little bit about getting all the distractions away. Can Mm -hmm. you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So there's, there's uh, there's some things that you can actually find through 
um, a couple institutes online that will give you like 10 steps to mindfulness and meditation. Mm -hmm. So your big deal is, is that you want to create a time and a space. And so you need to let your family and your loved ones in your house know, including pets, (laughs) (laughs) that this is this is your time. And that time might only be something like five minutes, which is fine because it's five more minutes of something that you're doing for yourself Mm -hmm. that you're not doing at any other point in time. So you want to find a convenient time and space and you want to make that a regularity. Set a timer so that you know that there's an active start and finish time. And Mm -hmm. I usually tell people to start small. So if that means you start for one to two minutes every day, Mm -hmm. then great. Because if it's not enjoyable, you're not going to come back to it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And if it seems too long, it's excruciating and you're just like, ah, this isn't worth it. Exactly. If you start to get frustrated or it's excruciating. Yeah. And if you're not comfortable. So I was, you know, somehow people think you're supposed to sit on the floor and cross-legged and (laughs) hands on your knees and your eyes closed. And And, and say some sort of chant, right? Exactly. But not necessary. You can sit in a chair and you just want to make sure that you're at least semi-upright. We are programmed to sleep when we are laying down. And there is one special form of, of laying down uh, meditation called yoga nidra. Yeah, I fall asleep all the time with that one. Yes, and a lot of people <laughs> do, which I was like, obviously, you needed to sleep, which is fine. If you fall asleep meditating, you need to sleep. Right. It's okay. <laughs> and it's not a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing. And then what you want to do is you want to kind of pay attention to your breath. You can focus. You can use your breath as your guide mm-hmm. so that you feel yourself inhaling. You feel, and even if you, I'm inhaling... I'm exhaling. And that quiet pause in between can be that little moment of silence for Mm -hmm. you, which is excellent. And then just, you know, repeat it. Just keep going. Because the biggest thing that ends up happening is when we get busy, our meditation practice falls away. Oh, absolutely. Just like exercise, right? You you don't make time for yourself. You do it for everybody else. Correct. But, you know, the goal always is, right, just like they say on the airplane, you put your oxygen mask on first before you assist other people. Right. So if you're not taking care of yourself, uh, we have a tendency to burn out. Mm -hmm. And I see this happen a lot with ladies, which I like to affectionately refer to as lady burnout. But if we actually continue with our practice of meditation, it turns out that it makes you more productive in the waking hours that you have. Oh, absolutely. And what I have found is that if I set myself an appointment, even if it's for five minutes, whether it's in the middle of the day or at the end of my day, I will actually do it because Mm -hmm. it's scheduled. Correct. And and I don't let somebody else get in the way of that. Correct. Um, So that's one way I know I deal with it. Are there other ways that you would think to do it? The best best thing that I've found that works for me in my schedule is um, I, when I wake up in the morning, I hit my snooze. So this automatically becomes my 10-minute timer. Oh, there you go. And I prop myself up in my bed, and that's when I sit and I do my breathing. Because Mm -hmm. if I like to start my day out that way, I've had people that um, will uh, put some water on for coffee or tea, and while the water's warming up, they'll sit and they'll do their breathing and they'll do their meditation. Before they hype themselves up with their caffeine. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) I have people that have a tendency to do this late at night as well, but the tough part is is a lot of times we're really tired at the end of the day, and then you have a tendency to fall asleep. So I usually tell people... I prefer that you do this in the morning. Now, let's not lie. For me in the winter, this is a lot harder mm-hmm. because there's no light coming in. And so um, I have a tendency to fall asleep, fall back asleep a little bit more so in the winter. Oh, you I'm actually snooze meditation. through your snooze? I snooze through my snooze. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for those of us that um, really don't know how to meditate, mm-hmm. we've talked about before guided meditation. Yes. So how do you actually 
find a guided meditation? What are the resources out there? Sure. There's So interestingly enough, actually, for people that uh, get energized by being around in groups, there's a lot of meetups for meditation, okay. regardless of faith-based. The Buddhist uh, community has open meditation a lot of times. The Unitarian Church has something called Teza, which is very equivalent to meditation. And so you can find them within areas of churches or faith-based organizations. The other option is, is that if you're the person that, that prefers to do things more so on your own, you can totally use apps. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of apps out there. There's paid apps and there's free apps. Yeah. Um, some of the paid apps will give you a free trial for a week. And if you like it, then you can turn around and subscribe. There's free apps out there in the world. Like my personal favorite is one called Insight Meditation Timer. Yeah, that's the one I use too. Yeah, yeah. and I love it because what happens is, is when you pull up the app, you have an instant community because it'll tell you right now in the world, 4,628 people are meditating. And yeah. so you see the map of all the little dots where mm-hmm. people have logged in and they're meditating. And you can either just use the timer that's in there to use that for breathing, or there's a whole section of free meditations. Yeah. And you can search for specific things like, you know, um, assisting sleep, uh, reducing stress, mini break from work, like pick oh, your yeah. favorite. And you can find them. So you just want to find somebody's voice that you like. Oh, yeah. Not the one that puts you to sleep or irritates you. Or irritates you, yes. Because if they sound like, you know, your teacher that you hated from school, this isn't going to be helpful for your meditation practice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So if I wanted to meditate at work in the middle of the day, Mm -hmm. what should I do? And do I have to have a private office to do it? Or is there some other, other thing you can think of to give guidance on that. I have people go hide in the bathroom all the time. <laughs> this happens frequently where people, especially if there's a stall, right? I mean, this this works a lot of times for, for women and for men as well, that if you don't, like, let's say you work in, in, you know, in a cube community or in a pod and you don't necessarily have um, quiet around you and you're having trouble with that sense withdrawal. I do have people use noise blocking headphones because mm-hmm. those can work and you can noise block headphones. Go ahead and close your eyes and you can breathe at your desk. Yeah. If you want to go outside and do it. That's the even better, right? Nice, yeah. Even better, exactly, because it gets you up, walking, away from your desk, away from the idea of I'm sitting in my chair to work. But I mean, you can do something easy as simple as, you know, go hide in the stall in the bathroom yeah. and, you know, close your eyes and do your breathing. Sure. Yeah. But even going outside, getting the fresh air. For sure. Using your, the sunlight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if there is sun, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, using your noise canceling headphones mm-hmm. and doing a five minute guided meditation As long as you don't fall asleep while you're outside, right? Correct. Correct. (laughs) Um, So how can mindfulness and meditation help me be more productive at work or at home or maybe even sleep better? Sure. So there's um, there's all kinds of studies that actually support meditation and mindfulness helping all of these processes. So one of the biggest things that we've found that mindfulness and meditation does just by taking that time is it reduces your cortisol levels. So a lot of us have elevated cortisol, which is one of your adrenal hormones that gets secreted during fight or flight, Mm -hmm. right? So this is our part of our sympathetic nervous system that gets stimulated when we have a tendency to get stressed out and we don't sleep as much. If we can drop our endogenous cortisol production down, that actually helps you sleep at night and it actually begins to rewire your brain for better calmness and better productivity. Wow. I think many employers would like their employees to be doing this then, right? I know. They they should set up like, I mean, come on, we have lactation rooms by law now, right? Right. I think we should have a little meditation space. (laughs) There you go. So, Chris, how often do you meditate? When do you do it? And what does it really do for you? 
Oh, so I meditate, like we said, a little bit in the morning during my snooze. It's definitely guaranteed five, somewhere between five to seven minutes, right? Because it's a 10-minute snooze on my alarm, so i got to get myself sat up because let's not lie. If I'm laying down, I'll probably fall back asleep. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, I don't. About 90% of the time, I don't actually fall back asleep because uh, once my alarm goes off, I do try to make it a habit to get regular sleep so I don't have a tendency to fall back asleep. But I sit up, I, I, I just breathe, and I focus on my breathing, and uh, I do somewhere between five to 10 minutes every morning. And it helps me start to start out my day with a little bit of a sense of peace and calm and focus. Because I noticed when I turned away from it and I would roll over and I would grab my phone and I would take it off airplane mode and let all the emails come down that came on over the night. And then I'd start my day in a panic. Yeah. Because it just stresses you out when you see that list of emails coming through exactly. or your text messages or whatever it is. Exactly. Yeah. Like I have so much, th- so much to do and not enough time. <laughs> oh, exactly. like, like everybody. Like everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, as we're going to close out this podcast, for our listeners, can you give us five benefits for mindfulness and five benefits for meditation? Sure. Well, I would say the benefits for mindfulness and for meditation are going to be the same. Okay. So we're looking for better productivity, a bigger sense of peace and calm, decreased cortisol levels, mm-hmm. better sleep, and usually it promotes better connection with the people around you that you care about as well. Well, there you go. Well, thanks, Chris, for joining us today. Thanks so much, Trace, for having Stay tuned to the ResU podcast here on WGN Plus for more episodes with ResU thought leaders and partners that will introduce unique ideas and ways to help listeners make choices that are influential, mindful, and impactful. ResU, it's amazing to be needed.